for you lucky people because tonight is the night. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why everyone has been absolutely dreading this, this talk when we're going to go through all the kings of Israel and Judah. I, I, you know, I mean, perhaps it's a, a bit reminiscent perhaps of the sort of stuff that you used to do at school. I don't know. But I think it will pay dividends uh, if, if, if only to... Uh, you know, sort of give us just a, a kind of, um, you know, to, to lodge in our brains that the extent of the history that we've covered so far, remembering that this, this first phase of the Bible is the history, fundamentally, of Israel in the land, or Israel coming into being and then Israel going into the land. And uh, so, you know, it's good for us to, you know, to kind of lodge this very much in, in our brains. And so, a kind of a recap, really, on the, you know, the sort of like the history covered by 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles. I even at this moment see people unrolling sleeping bags and winding up alarm clocks. Crumbs! Honestly, what, what, what an unacademic lot. The, Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, let us remind ourselves of where we've thus far come. We've seen Israel as a nation come into being through Abraham. Um, we saw Abraham become a nation. We saw this nation end up in Egypt and then becoming as a nation slaves in Egypt. Um, we saw them for, you know, sort of like, you know, two, three hundred years in that condition. And eventually God raised up Moses who led them out of Egypt. And he led them out of Egypt in order to ultimately take them into Canaan. We saw the 40 years of the wandering in the wilderness. And then we saw Moses dying and being uh, taken over as the leader of Israel by Joshua who then led them into the land. And they went in there and they beat the Canaanites out up and, and they established themselves in the land. We, them having done that, we, we saw the 300 years that, that covered really the, the rule of the judges, uh, the first 300 years of Israel being in the land. And uh, we saw basically again and again and again the pattern that when there was leadership that was godly, the people were godly when there was leadership that wasn't, the people weren't. So if you had leadership, things seemed to go okay if that leadership was godly. But the moment that leadership failed, then anarchy, kind of spiritual anarchy, broke out. And that was really the story of the judges. And eventually, the Lord, uh, sorry, the, you know, the people said, well, look, let's have kings. Let's have a monarchy like all the nations round about. And of course, the Lord didn't want that. that. That was never really his plan. He was their king and he wanted to rule them through prophets. I mean, the judges really were prophets and through people like Samuel. That was really what God wanted, direct leadership from himself via the prophets. And, uh, but the people turned their back on it and they said, no, we want a king. And you remember that the Lord said to them, okay, right, you can have a king. He said, but, but to a certain extent, you're going to regret it. Once I give you kings, it's no use coming to me about it. You're asking for kings, I'm giving you kings. And of course, in the history of the kings, by and large, that we've seen, and that we're going to just go over again very quickly tonight, we'll certainly see that the people did regret ever asking for kings. Because although one or two of them were okay, the vast majority certainly weren't, as you'll see tonight. And you'll remember that the very first king was, was King Saul and, and, and he was very much a kind of an omen of what was to come because he, he was eventually laid aside and rejected by God because he was so rebellious 
and um, but then he was replaced by King David and under King David you'll remember that Israel hit the, the peak of its, its splendour I mean to this Israel to this day has never got back to the glories of the reign of David when there was to, to a, a greater extent through David and Solomon a greater extent than ever before Israel was living at peace in the land and the blessings and the prosperity of the Lord were upon them and we saw you know the reign of David and then eventually Solomon took over and it was really when Solomon took over that there was really that that peace and that absolute peak of glory of Israel as a nation in the land when all the nations kind of were paying homage to them but then we saw that, that King Solomon after a while and because of marrying so many wives or not just a number of wives but the fact that he married outside of the faith and eventually he was corrupted and the great enemy of Israel was always idolatry the first commandment was always none before the Lord and idolatry was always the enemy of Israel and that Solomon was corrupted and he went into idolatry through the influence of his wives and you'll remember that as a judgment on him because of that he was told that the kingdom was actually going to be torn from him or ten of the tribes were going to be torn from him and that the kingdom would divide and he was told that the leader of this new kingdom that was going to emerge would in actual fact be a friend of his a friend of Solomon's a guy called Jeroboam you remember who he saw was actually in charge of Solomon's labor force he was a real right-hand man of Solomon and that he was told that he was going to lead this new confederation of tribes that was going to come into being and uh, as a result of that um, Solomon tried to, to kill him but Jeroboam escaped and and of course what happened was that Jeroboam ultimately led what was to be the beginning of this divided kingdom when the nation of Israel in the land divided into the northern and the southern kingdoms there were the ten tribes that broke away the northern kingdom Israel and then there was the messianic line the successors of David and Solomon the tribe of Judah in the south and what we're going to do is we're just going to whip through all the kings in chronological order all right and we're going to start with the kings of Israel so this was the breakaway nation all right now then you remember that what happened when Solomon died his son Rehoboam took over the throne now he was a bit of a twit and you'll remember that we saw that Jeroboam who was the one who was prophetically anointed to lead this breakaway kingdom Jeroboam what he did is that uh, he went to Rehoboam and on behalf of the people asked Rehoboam if they could have a slightly less strict and austere regime than they were you know sort of given with his father Solomon and uh, and you'll remember it was because of Rehoboam's rather stupid responses which we'll see when we come on to do the kings of Judah shortly um, that eventually the people totally rebelled against him and the ten tribes went with Jeroboam they made him their king and so the northern kingdom Israel split off from the southern kingdom from then known as Judah and the divided kingdom came into being so Jeroboam was the first king 
of the breakaway kingdom. And uh, you'll remember he was appointed on the prophetic word of the prophet Ahijah. And, uh, but of course it doesn't necessarily mean that he was a good king, just because he was God's choice for this breakaway. It was still a breakaway. And uh, what we're going to do for every king, we're going to see what the, you know, the verdict of the scriptures on them. And the verdict of the Bible on Jeroboam was this, the Lord said to him, you have done more evil than all who lived before you. So he was not a good king. And he set the stage for what was to happen, you know, for what was to follow in the history of Israel, the northern kingdom. And you remember that what he did is he set up his own golden calf religion. And he had a main altar up in the north, had been up near Cromer. And, uh, and he had another one down in the south on the border with Judah, which we saw was around Bedford and, you know, sort of like St Albans and, no, St Albans, not, not Bedford. And, um, and, you know, he set up this new faith that he concocted. So he was an idolater. And uh, you'll remember that God sent a prophet from Judah to rebuke him while he was doing one of the sacrifices on this altar that he'd, he'd made. And, um, and you'll remember that he, he raised his hand so that his soldiers would grab the prophet and presumably kill him. But as he raised his hand, his hand became leprous. And it was only when he started being nice to the prophet that his hand was restored and that he was healthy again. So it's a lesson there, be, be nice to prophets. You know, it's certainly in your own interest to be so. And uh, anyone who thinks they're a prophet, form a cue. Um, and you'll remember that his son, Abijah, died as a judgment, so God's judgment really came on him. And, um, and Ahijah, who was the prophet who anointed him, went to him and told him that his family was all his descendants were going to be cut off by the Lord. So a really disastrous king number one for Israel. And um, he reigned for 22 years, so that was how long he was king, and he died a natural death and he was then succeeded by his son, who was called Nadab. Now, Nadab reigned for two years, so he, he didn't last too long. The Bible's verdict on him, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And after two years, he was assassinated by a bloke called Basha, and uh, so Basha assassinated him and took over, became the next king. But in the process, killed off all his family. So therefore, the prophecy of Ahijah that Jeroboam would have all his descendants cut off was fulfilled because Nadab, his son, was assassinated by Basha and Basha then proceeded to kill his whole family. So uh, Nadab lasted for two years. Right, so king number three in Israel, Basha. And uh, Bible's verdict, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, the prophet Jehu prophesied that all his descendants would be cut off as well. So we see God's judgment against him. He was the means of God's judgment against Jeroboam and Nadab, but is now himself going to come under God's judgment. And uh, he, he reigned for 24 years, and he died a natural death. And when he died, he was succeeded by his son, king number four, Elah. Now, of Elah, the Lord said that he provoked the Lord with his worthless idols. So again, an idolatrous king. This ran through the whole of the history of the northern kingdom that broke away. And uh, he, he reigned for two years. And after two years, uh, he, he was drunk, got drunk one day, 
and whilst he was drunk, he was assassinated by a bloke called Zimri. So Zimri now becomes king. But in so doing, Zimri didn't just assassinate Elah, he killed his whole family, wiped out all his living family. And therefore, the prophecy of Jehu against Basha and his descendants is therefore carried out. So we've seen Jeroboam and Nadab, that family line wiped out because of God's judgment. Now we've seen Basha and his son Eli, his whole family line wiped out. So already four kings, but two dynasties. This, this is not continuity in any sense of the word. It's really up and down all over the place. Anyway, so now we have Zimri as king. And uh, having killed Elah and all his family, Zimri takes over as king. Um, and the scripture's verdict, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he, as, as if trying to set a record, um, lasted for seven days. <laughs> he was king for a week. And um, after a week, the army decided that uh, they didn't want Zimri to be king. I mean, they didn't want Elah to be king. They were quite happy that Zimri had uh, assassinated Elah, but they didn't like Zimri. So what they decided to do was that they, they, they proclaimed their commander-in-chief as king. So the army, their commander, was a bloke called Omri, and so they now proclaim him as king. So they say, no, we don't want you to be king, Zimri. We're going to have Omri. He's going to be king, our commander-in-chief. Now then, in a situation like that, when, when the head of the army is proclaimed king by the army, and you find yourself king for just seven days without the army on your side, you are in trouble. In fact, more than that, you're in big trouble. So Zimri, realising the big trouble he was in, and presumably not wanting to actually go through the indignity <coughs> of actually being assassinated by the army or Omri in the same way that he'd assassinated Elah, he vanished into his palace and set fire to it and committed suicide. So that, 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 that was, was, was his end. So now Omri, right, the commander of the army, blah, 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 he, he is now king. Um, but the moment that he's become king, uh, Zimri having committed suicide, and so the moment Omri becomes king, there's a threat to his kingship because another bloke called Tibni, um, who had the support of the people, now put himself forward to be king. So the army have put Omri, their commander, as king, but now the people decide that they want Tibni to be king. So um, there's a kind of, uh, you know, intrigue and stuff like that, but of course, the army tends to usually be more powerful than the people, and it's Tibni who is killed. So, so, so Tibni, although he made a play for the throne at this point, never actually became king. So Omri ran out, ran out, won out on that occasion. And uh, he, he stayed in power for, for 12 years. Um, he died a natural death, but the Lord's verdict on him is that he did evil in the sight of the Lord and sinned more than all those who were before him. So you see that the, the, the evil, the rebellion, is becoming greater and greater. It's not just that the leadership here is bad, it's getting worse and worse and worse. So Omri dies, and he's succeeded by his son Ahab. Now Ahab has got to be one king that you know all about, because of course we did the Elijah series, didn't we? Ahab, he reigned for 22 years. Um, now remember, we've just seen that his dad, Omri, the Lord said of him that he's done more evil than all those who went before him. But of Ahab, the Lord said, he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. 
So can you see it's getting worse and worse. Each king is worse than the one they're replacing. And you'll remember that with Ahab, because idolatry was already in place in the north because of this calf worship that Jeroboam had introduced from the word go, but Ahab now married Jezebel. Jezebel coming from Zidon, which was the, like, you know, the, the, the centre of Baal worship, and she was a high priest in the cult of Baal, a high priestess rather. And that, like, her, her father, the king um, of, of Zidon, was, was kind of like, you know, the, the world leader of Baal worship at, at, at the time. And, and Ahab marries her, and uh, as a result of this, Baal worship now comes into Israel. Uh, you know, perhaps the most grotesque form of idolatry that, that Israel had thus far in its history um, experienced. And of course, you'll remember that the Lord raised Elijah up and, and Ahab crossed swords with Elijah. And as a result of that ministry, all the prophets of Baal were put to death. There was the contest on Mount Carmel. And, uh, you know, if, you know, Baal worship was certainly set back to a very large degree because of uh, the ministry of Elijah. And uh, you'll remember also with Ahab that um, he got into an alliance with Jehoshaphat down in Judah at the time that Ahab was reigning up in Israel. Old Jehoshaphat was reigning down in Judah. And although, as we're going to see, Jehoshaphat was a good king, he got into all these sort of silly alliances. And, uh, you know, he got, in, you know, Ahab went into alliance with Jehoshaphat um, against Aram, you know, to get Ramoth Gilead back that had been nicked by Aram, which was Syria. Well, that's what Syria was called then. Um, and you'll remember also that there's that, that, that marvellous story about the prophet Micaiah that Ahab kept locked up in the dungeons because he never prophesied well for him. And, uh, you know, and Jehoshaphat, you know, sort of says, well, look, before we go into this battle together, are there any more prophets? And Ahab said, well, there's old Micaiah down in the dungeons. And Jehoshaphat, you know, said, why is he there? You know, and of course Ahab said, well, he never prophesies the right thing. And, uh, and of course Micaiah is brought before them and prophesies that Ahab is going to be killed and blah, 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 which of course um, happened that, that very day in the battle to get Ramoth Gilead back. And uh, so there Ahab dies and of course through the ministry of uh, Elijah and Elisha as well. It's declared that his dynasty was going to be completely cut off. So eventually all his family and descendants would be killed. And you'll remember there'd be the prophecy that, um, you know, that Jezebel, that her body would lie in the streets and be eaten by the dogs and there wouldn't be anything left to bury. You know, all, all jolly, jolly good stuff. And uh, so Ahab dies in that battle and then he's succeeded by his son, Ahaziah. Ahab lasted for 22 years and now his son Ahaziah takes over. Now then, Ahaziah, true to form, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, he, he reigned for two years. Um, he got into an alliance with old Jehoshaphat as well. Um, you know, so Jehoshaphat, you'd have thought he'd learned his lesson from Ahab, but he didn't. Now he goes into alliance with his son. Um, and um, you remember that, that he's the one who fell through the ceiling and as a result of that sent emissaries to, to, to get occult healing for him. <coughs> and you remember that as his men were going on their way, Elijah intercepted them and, you know, do you remember they, they were sort of like rude to him and he called fire down from heaven until the third lot of soldiers got a hang of it and started to say, please. And uh, once they started to say, please, <coughs> Uh, Elijah actually went to see Ahaziah 
<coughs> and uh, told him he was going to die, which he duly did. Um, and because he had no sons, and therefore he was succeeded by his younger brother, who was called Joram. So you had Ahab, the real naughty baddie, all right, and of his two sons, Ahaziah took over from him, and then his other son, Joram, took over from Ahaziah when Ahaziah died. So Joram, again, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, he reigned for 12 years and um, got into alliance with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat worked his way through all of Ahab's family, getting into alliance with them. Um, and uh, you'll remember the um, incident where, um, as a result of the Moabites attacking, uh, you know, the alliance, Jehoshaphat went into alliance with Joram. And Elisha, who had by that time taken over from Elijah, you remember that he said to them, well, look, the Lord is going to bless this battle, but only because Jehoshaphat's in it. If it was just you, Joram, God wouldn't give you victory. But because Jehoshaphat's in this alliance, and he's right with God, God will give you victory. And there was that, that incident where the armies coming against them were, you know, really big armies. But what they did, Elisha's word, is they dug all these ditches because they needed water and then the ditches filled up with water, which sort of saved their lives. And then the next morning, the, um, the army that they were due to fight looked at all these ditches, and the sun came off the water in the ditches in such a way that it looked like the ditches were full of blood. And so the enemy decided that, that Israel and Judah, that their two armies had ended up fighting each other, and they'd slaughtered each other. Therefore, the enemy army went down, thinking that the battle was already run, and then, of course, you know, Jehoshaphat and uh, Joram's armies completely marmalised them, and so God gave them victory. That was, um, that was um, Joram. And uh, Elisha helped him a lot, and I mean, later on there was a battle um, with the Philistines, when the Philistines kept invading, and every time they invaded, Elisha went to Joram and told them where the Philistines were going to attack, and so Joram had, had his army there. And, uh, and eventually the Philistines thought, well, we've got to, to get Elisha. And do you remember the, uh, the Philistine generals said to their king, you know, look, we haven't got a spy in the camp, but Elisha is telling Israel's king what you say in your bedchamber. You know, so, so that was the connection. Remember, they went out uh, to get Elisha and they came to the city where he was staying. You remember Elisha's servant got up one morning and the Philistine army completely surrounding this town. And he sort of like freaks out. And uh, Elisha just says, Lord, open his eyes. And then he looks again, and he sees the angels of the Lord surrounding the Philistine army. And then the Philistine army is struck blind, and uh, Elijah then, Elisha then leads them to Samaria, where they're held captive for a few days, given a cup of tea and sent home. And, uh, you know, that, that was all during the reign of Joram. So God, God blessed him, but not because he was faithful, but just because God was just blessing his people. He didn't want Israel to be wiped out at this particular point. And it was also in the reign of Joram um, when the Aramites, under the kingship of Hazel, attacked again and laid siege to Samaria, even to the point when cannibalism broke out. And again, that was the ministry of Elisha, um, you know, helping King Joram. Um, and then eventually, 
um, he ended up in alliance with Jehoshaphat's grandson down in Judah. So it sort of like ran a bit in Jehoshaphat's family, this alliance with wrong people. But uh, eventually Joram was assassinated by a guy called Jehu. And uh, God had raised Jehu up under the ministry of Elijah and Elisha to be the means of carrying out God's judgment on the family of Ahab. So now Jahab kills Joram and the rest of Ahab's family so that that dynasty is wiped out as Elijah and Elisha had prophesied that it would be. And that you'll remember eventually when Jehu came to get Jezebel, the last remaining member of the family, her eunuchs threw her out of the window. <coughs> and uh, so she, she died when she hit the ground and her body was just left there and the dogs licked her blood and ate the body just as Elijah had prophesied all those years earlier to um, Ahab. So, so, so now, Ahab's family, yet another dynasty. You see, in Israel, each dynasty ended up being wiped out completely. There was no continuity at all. You had like, this family, got a couple of generations in, wiped out. That family got a couple of generations, wiped out. You see how, how it's working, God's judgment on them the whole time because of their continued idolatry. So now we come to Jehu. Remember, he'd wiped out Joram and all Ahab's family and, and Jehu, appointed by the Lord to do this. And he, he reigned for 28 years. And he followed the Lord a bit. He, he was actually the only king of Israel who followed the Lord in any way at all. But he followed the Lord a little bit. And, uh, and what the Bible says of him is that he was not careful to keep the law of the Lord with his whole heart. So, Jehu was a little bit for the Lord, but not completely. He completely rid Israel of all remaining influences of the Baal cult. So he at least did that. But having done that, he still kept the golden calf thing going. You know, so this false religion that Jeroboam set up when he became king. He kept that going. So. He was, to a certain extent, knocked some idolatry on the head, the worst of it, but the, this kind of, this, this vein of idolatry with the golden calf that ran all the way through Israel's history, he, he kept that. So he was what you would call a carnal believer, old Jehu. He wasn't a total pagan like all the others, but neither was he wholeheartedly <coughs> from the Lord. He was a believer, he followed the Lord but a bit where it suited him, and that was all. And as I said earlier, he, he reigned for 28 years. Um, he died a natural death. And when he died, he was succeeded by his son, Jehoahaz. Now, Jehoahaz lasted for 17 years. So that's not a bad innings, really, as far as the kings of Israel go. But he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, he sought the Lord once. He had, there's one occasion when he prayed and asked the Lord for help. And he prayed and he asked the Lord for help when Syria, Aram, invaded. Aram, Syria, invaded all the time. And they <coughs> invaded, and on one occasion, he sought the Lord and asked the Lord to deliver him. Not because he was a believer, but because he didn't want to be killed and he didn't want to be taken over, he didn't want to be invaded. And he asked the Lord and the Lord helped him. But he didn't become a believer, he just, he used the Lord. And, uh, you know, so that, that was that. And uh, af after reigning for 17 years, he died. And he was succeeded by his son, who was called Jehoash. And uh, Jehoash, he reigned for 16 years. 
so one year less than his father managed. And um, would you believe he did evil in the sight of the Lord? Unquote. Um, now, Elisha is, is still going strong. All right, Elijah obviously is long dead, but Elisha, now a very old man, but, but is still going strong. And um, Jehoash was at least influenced here and there by Elisha. They were friends. They knew each other. They were reasonably close. And uh, it, was, it was during Jehoash's reign that Elisha died. So, so, so Elisha was kind of you know, reasonably friendly with Jehoash. And, um, but, but again, he didn't, he didn't give up idolatry. He didn't do anything to try and stop idolatry. So even though he was close to Elisha, and even though he knew the Lord was there, he kept on in idolatry. And um, you'll remember there was the incident of the striking the ground three times with the, ar with the arrows. And uh, as a result of doing that, Elisha said, well, look, you're going to have three victories over Syria. But he said, however, if you struck the ground a bit more, you'd have got total victory. I, what he was saying, look, if you'd have expected a bit more from the Lord, you'd have got a lot more from the Lord, but you only expected a little bit, so that's all you're going to get. You know, a little bit of according to your faith be it unto you there. And, um, you know, the other thing of note about Jehoash is that he, 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 he warred, um, you know, with Amaziah, who was at that time reigning in Judah, but that was because Amaziah kept invading him. So uh, Jehoash didn't want to fight Judah, but, but Judah at that point kept fighting him, so there were skirmishes with, with Judah. And um, he eventually died, natural death, and he was succeeded by his son, whom was called Jeroboam. And, and because the first king of Israel was Jeroboam, obviously he becomes known, therefore, as Jeroboam um, the second. So, so now we've got Jeroboam too. Now, if, if, if his dad and granddad had both sought the Lord a little bit, even though it was only to suit them, you know, them using the Lord, old Jeroboam the second, no seeking the Lord at all. I mean, back, back, back to total pagan now. And uh, he, he reigned for 41 years. And um, as a result of the proclamations of Jonah, the old prophet Jonah, um, who wasn't just an evangelist to the Ninevites, although when we come to do the book of Jonah, we'll see that the book of Jonah was about his evangelistic exploits. But Jonah was also a prophet to Israel. And under his ministry, um, the, the, all the treasures and wealth that, that Hazel of Syria had, you know, taken from Israel because of all his invasions were, were kind of, you know, restored back to, to Israel. So, you know, therefore, as a result of that, Jeroboam II, because of the ministry of Jonah, got back some of the goodies that uh, Aram had nicked from Israel, you know, through various invasions and that. And uh, then he, he died a natural death and uh, he was succeeded by his son Zechariah. Now, can you see that this little dynasty here, because like, you know, daddy and granddaddy sought the Lord only a tiny little bit, we're on to the fourth generation now, so they're lasting, you see. I mean, God's judgment is on them, but it's not as decisive as it was. So even though there was only a really minimal seeking the Lord, and even though it was a totally selfish seeking the Lord, nevertheless, this dynasty, this family, got more of its members on the throne than any other. So you just see that, you know, the Lord, the slightest excuse and the Lord will bless. But, 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 but that's, that's grace. So, anyway, he, he dies and, um, and succeeded by his son Zechariah. And Zechariah 
um, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, on this dynasty, although it's lasted longer than any of the others, all right, now the blessing's running out, all right, and uh, he only lasted for six months. So God says, look, I've, I've blessed you like a little bit more, you've lasted longer than the others, but now that's it, chop. And Zechariah, you know, his head rolled six months into his reign, and, and he was assassinated and succeeded by a bloke called Shalom. So Shalom then becomes king of Israel number 15. Now, on him, the Bible makes no comment whatsoever. On all the other kings, you at least get, even if, you know, somewhere, you'll get that he did evil in the... You'll get some comment that the scriptures make on their performance, be it good or bad, usually bad. Of Shalom, no comment is made whatsoever. We're simply told, all right, that he assassinated Zechariah, Jeroboam's second son, and that he became king <coughs> for six months. And, uh, sorry, not six months, he lasted for one month. So no comment is made on him, but the fact that he only reigned for one month before being assassinated himself probably is all the comment that you need. I mean, God's blessing was not on him. <laughs> How can you say, you know, king for a month and then <coughs> assassinated. And, and he was assassinated by a bloke called Menahem, <coughs> who became king himself. So number 16 now, he reigned for 10 years, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, at this point, Assyria was becoming a serious world power and made a play for Israel. But uh, he, he was able to, you know, sort of like to, to fend off that attack. And what he did, the leader of Assyria at that, bloke was a bloke, at that time was a bloke called Paul, King Paul. Um, and what, what Menahem did, he paid him off. He just paid him loads of money and said, look, no, don't, don't invade, have a load of treasure, all right? So he paid him off. And then after 10 years, he died a natural death and uh, was succeeded by his son, Pekahiah. Um, basically, because Menahem had Italian blood in him, Pekahiah was very short. And his dad keeps up, Pekahiah, Pekahiah, he thinks he couldn't see anything. And uh, anyway, so Pekahiah, it is, it's bad, isn't it? Pekahiah, would you believe, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he lasted two years. And um, he was assassinated um, and succeeded as king by one of his officials who was called Pika. So we get Pekahiah. And he was assassinated by one of his official, officials who was called Pika, all right. And um, so Pika now reigns for 20 years. Um, again, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it was during his reign that there was a partial invasion and occupation by Assyria. So now Assyria is becoming more and more powerful as a world power. And there is a partial invasion of Israel, not complete, but Assyria now gain a foothold in Israel and therefore begin to have a bit of political and economic and military clout in the land. And that partial invasion and occupation occurred during the reign of Pekah. And then after 20 years, he was assassinated and succeeded by Israel's <coughs> last king, who was called Hoshea. And Hoshea reigned for a further nine years. And he was the last king of Israel. 
he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what happened is that by now Assyria's power has really become major. And Assyria is, is being led now by King Shalmaneser, uh, a very well-known king to history. And so Hoshea becomes a vassal nation. He signs Israel over to being a vassal nation, nation to the sovereignty of um, Assyria. But having done that, having become a vassal to Assyria and King Shalmaneser, what he then does is he double-crosses Shalmaneser and he then forms a treaty and an alliance with the king of Egypt. Now, Egypt and Assyria were not friends at that point. It was a stupid thing to have done because Assyria was quite powerful enough to put paid not just to Israel but to Egypt as well. And so, basically, what happened is that at that, Shalmaneser invaded, he sent the army in um, he carted Hoshea and uh, the vast majority of the Israelites in the north um, off to Assyria in captivity. And that was when the nation of Israel ceased to exist. The ten tribes were taken off into captivity and were never heard of again. To this day, they have never been heard of again. They will be heard of again because in the Great Tribulation, the 144,000 Jews raised up to preach the gospel, there's 12,000 from every tribe. So the Lord knows where the ten tribes are and who they are, as it were. But the point is, as a confederation, as the nation of Israel, they were carted off into captivity and they were destroyed completely. They were never heard of again. So now the northern kingdom, Israel, is no more. Now some Jews were left in Israel, um, not many, but some. And the policy of the Assyrian nation at that time, when they invaded and took a country over, was to cart the people off into captivity and then repopulate the nation with their own people. So most of the Israelites were taken out and loads and loads of Assyrians moved in to occupy it and to live there. Now, the capital of the northern kingdom, as you'll remember, was Samaria. And this mixture of Assyrian and Jewish over the hundreds and hundreds of years that followed gave rise to a new kind of nation, in inverted commas, called the Samaritans. And that is why, in the time of Jesus, you'll find that the Jews were so snotty about the Samaritans, looked down their nose at them, wouldn't have anything to do with them, because they were half Jewish and half Assyrian. And so the Jews considered them to be a mixed race, a kind of a half-caste. And whereas the Samaritans largely maintained the faith of Jehovah God, they largely maintained Judaism in its basic forms, many of the teachings that had come through the Old Testament and that is, you know, Israel proper followed, the Samaritans didn't. And so therefore, you know, the Jews proper looked down on them. And, uh, you know, so that's why the Samaritans, they were a Jewish half-caste, because they were half-Jewish and half-Assyrian. So then, what we've got here is that, that after um, the nation divides into Israel in the south and uh, Israel in the north, Judah in, in the south, that Israel, after dividing off from the south, has 19 kings. Um, 
draw what significance you like from that because as we're going to see Judah had 19 kings as well but I mean I'm not going to try and make significance of it so I don't know what the significance is um, so they had 19 kings and except for Jehu who, who has the great honour of being referred to as someone who followed the Lord a little bit apart from Jehu all of them were evil and all of them were into idolatry including Jehu so there was one king in its whole history, one king who followed the Lord a bit, and it only was a bit because Jehu remained in idolatry, just like all the others did. And, um, and so y you've got kings who were virtually the whole lot rotten, bad, evil. Um, and there was no continuity either. There were nine different family lines in those 19 kings. So there are nine different dynasties. You know, because of all the assassinations. Um, and um, there were seven assassinations and one suicide. You remember Zimri, when he knew he was beaten, went into the palace and burnt it down with him in it. And, uh, you know, but he only did that because he knew he was going to be assassinated himself. So there were seven actual assassinations and one suicide to prevent an eighth assassination. So a, a turbulent history, to say the least. And remember that it wasn't the messianic line. And that was one of the reasons that it was, it was such a mess. The messianic line was continuing down in Judah. They were the breakaways. Um, and can you see why the Lord, when, when Israel, all those hundreds of years earlier, started crying for a king? Do you see now why the Lord said, well, look, I should think twice about this if I were you? You see? It wasn't because God was being a spoiler sport. He knew what the people were asking for when they asked for a king. And so you can see the kind of trauma that people kept going through again and again and again. So, there you have it. That's the end of Israel. The northern kingdom has now gone. We have the ten lost tribes. They've gone into Assyrian captivity, never to be heard of again. Boom, boom. We can now draw some comfort knowing that we're halfway through. And we now move on to the kings of Judah. So now, meanwhile, down in Judah, all right, let's, let's go, go through there, through, through this lot, the, the kings of, of Judah. And uh, you'll remember, number one was Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And uh, you'll remember that he was the one, Jeroboam spoke to him on behalf of all the people and said, could we have a, a less kind of tight regime, you know, a less kind of, you know, sort of like forceful and a little bit freer, Blah, 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 blah. And, um, and you'll remember that Rehoboam, after consulting with his mates, said, well, look, my father scourged you with um, whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. So, absolute idiot. And, 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 of course, as a result of that, Jeroboam says, right, lads, we're off. And they downed tools, as it were, and off they went to form the Northern Kingdom. So, uh, you know, that's Rehoboam. He was an absolute idiot. But more important to the fact that he was an idiot, the Bible says of him, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. And, um, you know, so, so, so boom, you know, God's judgment was on him. And um, at, at one point, he was attacked by Egypt under the, the kingship of a bloke called Shishak, Pharaoh Shishak. And, um, and they were losing, and, and he, he did a half-hearted act of repentance, you know, oh, Lord help us, we're losing this battle. And so the Lord gave him victory. But having given him victory, um, 
what had been made of gold, because Shishak had kind of carted off loads of stuff from the temple and stuff like that, and everything that Shishak had knit was all made of gold, because of course, under the reign of Solomon, Israel was the richest nation there had ever been. But now, just one generation later, because the judgment of the Lord is on the nation, because they're not following him, now, everything that had been nicked by Shishak that was gold, he, Rehoboam, can only replace with bronze. You see, what a come down economically. That's inflation for you. You know, when, when, when now bronze equals the value that gold used to. I mean, you know, God's judgment, and when God's judgment comes on, it's often an economic judgment as well. And, uh, and, and, and the Bible recalls that the people were more faithful to the Lord than he was. So that, that's, what, that's leadership you can well do without. And uh, he reigned for, for 17 years. And uh, he died and he was succeeded by his son Abijah. And what we're going to see is that in Judah it, it was always succeeded by the son. Alright, so this is one family all the way through. So uh, Abijah, he reigned for three years. Uh, he was mostly bad. Uh, mostly bad. The, the Bible says of him, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. So a bit of a Jehu here. A little bit devoted to the Lord, but not very much devoted to the Lord. And, and, and also he got into idolatry. And um, he kept going to war with Jeroboam up in the northern kingdom, so he, he wasn't a particularly peaceful bloke. And, um, you know, so not, not, not very successful. I mean, the curve is still going down. We, we've come from King David uh, to Solomon. Absolutely wonderful, fantastic. But then Solomon has fallen away, so the curve goes down. And uh, Rehoboam was even worse than Solomon when Solomon was backslidden. And now Abijah is even worse. Can you see? So uh, the curve is going down. The fall from grace nationally is happening. So Abijah dies, and he's succeeded by his son, who was called Asa. Um, Asa had quite a good innings, 41 years he was king. And he, he started off well. The Bible says of him that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he was a good king. And uh, he even deposed his grandmother because she was into idolatry and occultism. So, I, I mean, the point is different members of the royal family had positions in society. Today our Queen Mother has a, a real position, even though she's not actually the Queen, but by virtue of being the Queen Mother, you see. Now, he actually deposed his own grandmother from power precisely because she was an idolater. So that's, that's commitment to the Lord. The Lord came before even his own family. But later on, later on, he made an alliance with um, Aram, Syria, and um, he was rebuked by a prophet called Hanani. And um, he got angry because he'd been corrected. And he had Hanani imprisoned. And as soon as he did that, he fell away. And from that point onwards, he, he became an oppressive king. He oppressed the people. And uh, so he started off well and then fell away. Shades of Solomon, it happens. Uh, but he, he died a natural death. And he was succeeded by his son, old Jehoshaphat. Good old Jehoshaphat. Again, we've, we've done a Bible study on Jehoshaphat, as you know all about him. Um, he reigned for 25 years, and uh, he, was, he was a good king. Uh, two quotes from the Bible. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So that's great. He followed the Lord throughout. And uh, 
He's most famous for the story about when Moab and Ammon invaded. And you'll remember he called the nation to fasting and the prophet Jehaziel spoke the Lord's word, you know, the battle is mine and not yours. And, and you remember that when they went to the battle, he, he had the, 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 the priests go out singing. So, so he, he had praises first. And, um, you know, and of course, once, once they got there, God had already dealt with Ammon and, you know, Moab, and they were already destroyed and that. So that, that's the, you know, like, like the story that, that he's really famous for. And um, as we said a short while ago, he, he, he got into alliances with Ahab and Ahab's sons, Ahaziah and Joram. Each time he did it, he got told off. You know, he got his, you know, his, his knuckles wrapped. God would send a prophet along and give him a going over for it. And, uh, but he didn't learn, he didn't learn. He got rebuked for Ahab, and then he did Ahaziah. Then he got rebuked for Ahaziah, and then he did Joram. So he didn't... Uh, I mean, it's like Azariah, you'll remember we saw that, that, that as a result of the alliance with him, he built this commercial navy, you know, this fleet of ships for trade and that. would have been an incredible economic adventure, you know, venture, you know, sort of really expensive. And, uh, you know, the Lord sent a prophet along and rebuked him for it, and then the Lord sent a storm along and sunk all the ships. You know, so I mean, you know, this, this, this guy knew judgment in his life, but even though he was a bit, bit thick there, you know, all the areas of our lives were a bit thick, but nevertheless, he, he followed the Lord. And um, he died a natural death, and, and, and he was succeeded by his son, Jehoram. And uh, Jehoram, he reigned uh, for eight years, uh, verdict on him, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And um, he was, you know, he, he, he murdered his brothers. He, he was a real, real nasty piece of work. He murdered all his brothers because he didn't like competition. And he, he, he was into idolatry as well. And he married one of Ahab's daughters. So, uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, you know, can, can you see? Doubtless, I mean, he'd grown up seeing his dad doing all these stupid alliances and now he goes and marries Ahab's daughter, so <coughs> not, not good at all. And uh, he was the one who received a letter from Elijah, and Elijah, he was a prophet up in the north, but he sent a letter down to the south, down to Judah, to, to, to King Jehoram, and uh, told him that he was going to die of a lingering bowel disease, because God's judgment was on him, which he duly did. And uh, remember we saw that the judgment on him is that he died to no one's regret. You know, there was no one who missed him. <laughs> Everyone was happy that he was dead. It's not a very nice epitaph, but boom. Anyway, he was succeeded by his son, Ahaziah, um, who lasted for one year. And uh, he did even the eyes of the Lord. Again, he was into idolatry, and uh, he, he got embroiled with Joram up in Israel. Joram, again, Ahab's son. So now Jehoshaphat's grandson is getting into alliance with Ahab's descendants, and um, he did so at the time when Jehu was, was going about wiping out all Ahab's descendants. So he got embroiled with Joram in Israel, right, King Joram in Israel, who was Ahab's son. Jehu was just being raised up a lord to wipe out all Ahab's family, and old Ahaziah, because of his alliance with Joram, got caught up in it and he got killed as well. So the judgment wasn't actually being taken out on him, it was being taken out on Joram, but because he was in alliance with Joram, he copped it as well. So he died as a result of this, this alliance that he should never have been in, um, you know, with Joram up in, up in the north. Anyway, now, a slight, a slight hiccup, a slight hiccup, the one deviation from the Messianic line. Uh, Ahaziah's mum 
was uh, called Athaliah. And she saw her chance with, with, with her son, having been killed like that, she saw her chance. And so what she did, she killed the rest of her family. I mean, she was a right old witch. She killed the rest of her family to make sure there were no more successors. And she became queen in Israel. And, uh, she, you know, she lasted for um, six years. And uh, so, so now, we have a monarch in Judah who was not in the messianic line. Her husband had been, but she wasn't. She was only there by marriage, all right? However, Ahaziah had had one son that she couldn't get to. He had a little boy called Joash. And the high priest at the time, a bloke called Jehoiada, Jehoiada and his wife got Joash when they realised what Athaliah was up to. They got Joash and they hid him away. So there was one successor to the throne. All right. And what happened was that, that, that over the six years that Athaliah was the queen, uh, Jehoiada worked on the army and worked on the people until he got them all on, on his side and behind Joash, who was the proper heir. And, um, and so when, once he did that, he had the army and the people on his side, then they made Joash king, who should have been king all along. And, um, I, you know, Athaliah was executed because of her treason. So there you have the one hiccup, but the messianic line was restored because now Joash becomes king and Joash was Ahaziah's son. So the messianic line, the descendants of David, is, is now back on course. And uh, Joash actually reigned from a seven. So he was one when Athaliah tried to, you know, killed all the family and tried to, to kill him. And for that six years, he'd been, you know, kept safe by Jehoiada and his wife. And uh, so, so he, he reigned from the age of seven and he lasted for 40 years. And he started off very good. The Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, he had the temple repaired and restored, because very often the temple kept, it fell into neglect, because no one cared, because of the idolatry, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he had all that done. And, um, but then a bit daft Syria, which was then still known as Aram, invaded. And what he did is he bought them off. You could do that, you know, he bought them, he said, don't invade, I'll just give you all this money. But he could only raise the money by giving Aram all the treasure that he just put back in the temple. So he'd kind of just restored the temple back to its former glory. And then Aram invaded, so he, he quickly stripped the temple and gave it all to them. So all the bit, you know, but I suppose that if you think that it's inevitable that you're going to get beaten, you might as well say, well, look, you know, don't beat me up, just take me wallet. That, that was the idea. That, that was the idea. And um, so, so by and large, he did well. But when Jehoiada died, the high priest, he started to backslide. Because Jehoiada had been like his father to him, all right? So he'd had a good upbringing. Uh, because Jehoiada was faithful to the Lord. But once Jehoiada died, he backslid and he got into idolatry. And uh, Jehoiada's son was a bloke called Zechariah and, and he was a prophet. And this prophet went to him, you know, and said, look, you're backsliding, you're getting into idolatry. But he took no notice. And the people stoned Zechariah to death. And, you know, Joash didn't do anything to protect him. And so at that point, his own officials murdered him to avenge the death of Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. So a, a very sad end there, you know, sort of backslidden, and a very sad end. But he was succeeded by his son, Amaziah. So the messianic line goes on okay. So Amaziah, he reigned for 29 years. He started off good. 
Uh, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. And that was his downfall. He got into idolatry. And um, he, 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 he challenged Jehoash, King Jehoash up in Judah, uh, up in Israel. He challenged him to a fight. Jehoash didn't want to fight, you know, Jehoash didn't want a civil war between the two nations, but Amaziah insisted, and it was disastrous, it went completely wrong, and, and uh, you know, Jehoash marmalised them, and he was taken prisoner. So although he was the king of Judah, now he ends up a prisoner up in Israel, but he was tracked down and then murdered by his own people, so he felt so betrayed that he should have led them in this idiotic war against the North when there was no reason for them to war. So his own people found where he was being kept prisoner and they, they, they killed him. And uh, so he was then succeeded by his son Azariah, um, also known as Uzziah. And this, this was when Isaiah came on the scene. Do you remember in the year that King Uzziah died? It's him, Azariah or Uzziah. He had both those names. He was called by either. And uh, he reigned for 52 years, so he, he had quite a good innings. He started off good. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But when he got older, he grew proud. And what he did is, is he usurped the authority of the priesthood. And he started, <coughs> he, he, he determined to make sacrifices that only the priesthood could do. Because kings were kings and priests were priests. Remember, it was Jesus who was the great high priest and the king. And uh, he, he preempted all that, and it was great arrogance, and so he made a sacrifice that only the priests should have done. And as soon as he did that, he was afflicted with leprosy. The Lord judged him on the spot, and he had leprosy until the day he died. And so his son succeeded in then. Not from the day he died, but from the day he got leprosy. So his son took over then, and his son was uh, Jotam. And uh, Jotam reigned uh, for 16 years, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So he, he's a goodie, he was good. Uh, he rebuilt the upper gate of the temples, again that had fallen down and stuff like that. So he worked on the temple to get a bit of the old restoration going. Um, the only complaint that the Bible lays against him is that he didn't cleanse the land of idolatry. He himself wasn't an idolater, he was faithful, but he didn't clear, he should, he should have cleared the land of it because he was king, but he didn't. But that was the only complaint that the Bible lays at his door. So a good one there, good old Jotam, yes. Anyway, he had natural death and uh, he, he, he was succeeded by his son Ahaz. Now Ahaz, he reigned for 11 years, uh, sorry, for 16 years, he was a stinker. And the Bible says of him that he provoked the Lord God of his fathers to anger. And not surprising, because he was the one who got into human sacrifice. And he sacrificed his own children. And so he was, I mean, he went, he was absolutely the pits. And um, he, he, he ended up in alliance with um, King Pekah of Israel. And then, what he did after that, um, is, is that he, he turned to Assyria, and he became a vassal nation of Assyria. So, just at the time that Assyria is flexing its muscles, ready to take over Israel, alright, Ahaz, down in the south, becomes a vassal nation to Assyria. And he, he, he virtually became Assyrian. He, he, he so... He so completely went into Assyrian belief, culture and everything that it got to the point you could barely, he nearly lost Judah, its Jewishness, completely. 
And, you know, I mean, sort of Judah was nearly wiped out, not by an invading army, but because its king totally endorsed the culture, beliefs and idolatry of the Assyrian nation. And, uh, you know, so, so this was absolutely, you know, disastrous. And um, the guy who, who was the king of Assyria that he went into subservience to was um, a bloke called Tiglath-Pileser, again, a very well-known king to history. And it was his successor, Shalmaneser, who took Israel into captivity just a few years later. So, just at the point when the north was, was, was about to go under to Assyria, the south, of its own free will, goes into subservience and, you know, and becomes a vassal nation of the Assyrians. And, um, you know, so, so it, that was absolutely disastrous. And it was during the time, really around this time, that, that Israel, as I say, was swept away by the Assyrians. So now, as we continue with the history of Judah, we've now reached the point where Israel is gone. Because, of course, as you'll remember, the kingdom of Judah, being more faithful to the Lord than Israel had been, its eventual judgment came later, i.e. it lasted in the land an extra hundred years. All right. And it's at this point that Ahaz's son comes on the scene, King Hezekiah. And again, Hezekiah was a good king. He really did follow the Lord. And uh, he reigned for 29 years. The Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And it was through Hezekiah, it was in his reign, that the, the influence that Assyria had on Judah was, was broken. Because Assyria, having carted off Israel in the north, was now set poised perfectly to cart off Judah as well. So the Assyrian Empire was ready to come down and when Hezekiah became king, as a result of what his father Ahaz had done, Israel, uh, Judah was a vassal nation to the Assyrian Empire. So, so now, the northern kingdom has gone and the southern kingdom is poised to be subsumed by Assyria and carted off as well. But it was during the reign of Hezekiah that Assyria's power over Judah was broken and the Lord delivered them. And Hezekiah was aided through the ministry of the prophet Isaiah. And you remember at one point Jerusalem was being sieged by the Assyrian army led by Sennacherib. And uh, you'll remember that Sennacherib sent this letter you know, you know, sort of like, you know, to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah went into the temple and he spread it out before the Lord. And what Isaiah said is that the Assyrian army was going to get called away, um, you know, sort of like on some pretext, and um, as a result of that, they would die, and overnight, Jerusalem would go to virtually falling to Assyria to being free. And what happened was, that um, the Assyrians had to temporarily withdraw from their siege because of an Egyptian incursion into their land somewhere else. So the Assyrian army are surrounding Jerusalem. Jerusalem is set to fall just as Samaria and Israel had done in the north, all right? But through the prophet Isaiah, Hezekiah, he's a believer crying out to the Lord, and Isaiah says, don't worry, the Lord's going to set us free. And so what happens is that the key, uh, Sennacherib sends this letter to Hezekiah saying, look, you know, we've got to go and sort, but I'll be back. 
I'll be back and the siege will continue then. And you'll remember that what happened was that um, that night, as the Assyrian army marched away from Jerusalem, the angel of the Lord killed 185,000 of them. And Sennacherib was himself murdered by his two sons shortly after. So, so there, Judah was delivered from the oncoming you know, occupation by Assyria. And uh, Hezekiah, he got the priesthood going again. He restored the temple and he got the Passover going again. You know, he really restored Israel, uh, sorry, Judah's religious life. You know, so he really did, as it were, bring Judah back to the Lord. And uh, you'll remember that, that, that he, was, uh, he became ill and was going to die. And um, he sought the Lord to be healed. And you remember that the Lord said that he was going to heal him and give him 15 more years of life. And the sign given was, remember, the sundial went backwards. All right, the shadow on the sundial went backwards, the wrong way. And um, it, it was during his last 15 years that he really goofed when the Babylonian envoys turned up and he showed them all around his kingdom, you know, which, which, which was a, a, a bit daft. And it was, it was at that point that Isaiah prophesied that the Babylonian captivity would eventually happen. That Israel, the north, had been taken away by Assyria and had been delivered from Assyria trying to take them away. But that later on, the Babylonian Empire would take Judah into captivity. And what was so incredible is that at that point, when Isaiah prophesied that during the reign of, uh, you know, here, that Babylon wasn't even a world power. It's just a tin pot little nation. You know, and yet it was here that the prophecy goes out that the Babylonian captivity would take Judah off as well. And uh, eventually Hezekiah, 15 years later, this extension to his life, he died, and he was succeeded by his son Manasseh. Now Manasseh reigned for 55 years, another stinker. He did even the eyes of the Lord, idolatry, Baal worship, human sacrifice. So he took after, not his father Hezekiah, but after his grandfather Ahaz. And uh, so what happened in his reign is the Assyrians invaded. And there was a mini captivity. The Assyrians invaded and carted him and loads of the people off into captivity. But at that point, Menahem repented. He was being carted off into Assyrian captivity and he repented. And although we don't know how it happened, as a result of him repenting, he was restored back down into Judah. And, ended, uh, you know, and, and so he ended up a good king. So, you know, and following the Lord. So he started off a real stinker, but ended up excellent. And uh, he, he, he died and he was succeeded by his son, Amon. And uh, Amon reigned for, for just two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, idolatry, etc., etc. Same old story. And uh, he, he was actually assassinated by his own officials. Weren't very nice bloke, they didn't like him. They assassinated him. But um, the people raised up against the officials and killed them. And uh, so there was a bit of a skirmish and a little bit of a civil war there. But nevertheless, the people made sure that he was succeeded by Josiah, his son. So again, messianic line continuing nicely, no problems. So now we come to Josiah. And uh, he reigned for, for 31 years. And like Hezekiah, absolutely excellent. Absolutely ace. The Bible says of him, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning to the left or the right. 
And Hezekiah, where, you know, what the Bible said about him, likened him to King David. So this really is the Bible saying him, Josiah, just like Hezekiah, absolutely wonderful. And Josiah was the best king since King David. I mean, he was the closest to King David out of all of them. And uh, he, he restored the temple to its full former glory. Just as it had been in the early days of Solomon, he restored the temple to that again. And he totally removed idolatry and occultism from the land completely. And it, it was during his reign, while they were rebuilding the temple, you remember that the priests found the book of the law, because they'd lost the Bible. They'd lost it. I mean, they probably knew it existed somewhere, but they found a copy of it. And, and having found a copy of the Bible, you know, like you know, the old, well, you know, I mean, it would have been the books of Moses and perhaps some of the prophets as well. As well. But having, having found that, he had the priests trained up so that they read it, knew it, understood it. He himself was instructed in it. And he, he sent priests out all over the land as Bible teachers to teach the people the ways of God. And, uh, and also he brought the Passover back as well. How, how rarely the Passover, which was supposed to be celebrated every year of Israel's history, if you go through the Bible, it was only ever celebrated a handful of times up to this point. Unbelievable. Well, he restored the Passover as well. Now, there was a slight hiccup right at the end of his reign. I mean, it doesn't detract from the marvellous things the Bible says about him, but he did do a bit of a silly thing, at the, you know, towards the end of his life. Well, towards the end of the life, it was what killed him. Because he challenged Pharaoh Necho to a fight. Now, Pharaoh Necho, in, you know, the, the king of, um, of Egypt. Now, the Lord told him not to, but he did anyway. The Bible don't tell us why, but he decided he wanted to war with Egypt. And so he did. And, uh, but the Lord said no, but he did it anyway. And as a result of it, Judah was beaten by the Egyptians and became a vassal nation of Egypt. Egypt had taken over from Assyria as the world power. And now Judah has gone and got itself vassalized, if there's such a word, but a vassal nation to the Egyptians. And uh, Josiah died um, in the battle that, 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 that happened as a result of that. So a bit unfortunate that. And uh, he, he was then succeeded by his son Jehoahaz. Uh, Jehoahaz lasted for three months. Uh, the Bible says of him he did evil in the sight of the Lord just as his fathers had done. Um, he, he was an idolater. Bad news all round. Um, Pharaoh Necho didn't like him and carted him off into captivity, so he went into Egyptian captivity. And um, when, when, when Necho did that, he put his brother Eliakim on the throne in his place. So still messianic line because it was his brother. And, um, but when Necho put Eliakim on the throne, he changed his name. And he changed his name to Jehoiakim, it being a sign of that I'm in authority over you. But nevertheless, Jehoiakim is still the messianic line because he was the brother, all right. And uh, Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It was during his reign that Babylon beat Egypt, and now Babylon became the world power instead of Egypt, all right? So Judah has been a vassal at this point to Egypt. Babylon takes Egypt over. So Judah's vassal status now passes to Babylon, and the Babylonian Empire was led by Nebuchadnezzar. So now Judah becomes a vassal nation to Nebuchadnezzar. 
Now, Jehoiakim, three years later, having passed into vassal status under Nebuchadnezzar, rebels against Babylon. A bit of a dull thing to do, but he rebelled against that Babylon. He like declared UDI, a unilateral declaration of independence. Well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't put up anything like that, so Jerusalem was sieged, and it was at that point that Nebuchadnezzar plundered the temple, destroyed the temple. And um, as a result of that, Jehoiakim was carted off in chains to Babylon and died there. And uh, he, he was succeeded by his son, Jehoiakim. And uh, Jehoiakim, he, he, he lasted, the Bible was very specific about this, he lasted three months and ten days. But then he was only 18, so perhaps that's why. He, he wasn't very clever, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And um, again, he chanced his arm with Nebuchadnezzar, and I mean, you don't do things like that. So he was carried off to Babylon with all but the poorest in the land. So now, the, 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 you know, the captivity proper, the first phase of it is starting to happen. So, so he's, he's carted off. And um, his uncle, Mataniah, so, so still the messianic line because he was King Josiah's brother, but his uncle Mataniah is made king in his place by Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, but Nebuchadnezzar changes his name to Zedekiah. All right. So this Zedekiah, all right, was Joash's was, was Josiah's brother, or uh, sorry, Josiah's son, and so, so it's still the messianic line. Okay, and um, so now Zedekiah. Um, you know, Jehoiakim's uncle is reigning, and he lasted for 11 years. He was the last king of Judah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, it, it was at this point that Jeremiah was raised up. And Jeremiah's ministry, as we see when we get to him, was basically say, look, surrender to the Babylonian captivity. Don't fight it. It's God's will. And of course, that he was called a, you know, a traitor, wasn't he? Because all the false prophets were saying, no, the Lord's going to give us deliverance. <coughs> but the law wasn't because it was judgment. So Jeremiah's ministry said, look, surrender to this because it would be easier on you. But they didn't, they fought against it, and so, you know, they were virtually wiped out completely. And um, so, you know, Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, again, utter stupidity, and it was that, that rebellion, 11 years into his reign, that brought on the full and final captivity. Nebuchadnezzar sent all his forces in, carte blanche, they destroyed Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple, and uh, well, the temple and all the important buildings were burned. The palace, the temple, all set on fire. Basically, Jerusalem was razed to the ground, and everyone who was left was carted off into captivity. And uh, Zedekiah himself was carted off to Babylon with his eyes gouged now. So, and he was the last king of Judah. And uh, so there we have the Babylonian captivity of Judah. A hundred years after the north was taken into captivity by Assyria, the south is now taken into captivity by Babylon. The date, 600 BC or thereabouts. Now, Nebuchadnezzar uh, was succeeded by a bloke called Evil Merodach. That was his successor. And uh, Evil Merodach struck up a relationship with Jehoiakim and set him free. Jehoiakim, you remember, he had been king, but carted off by Nebuchadnezzar. Evil Merodach set him free and let him live out his days in the palace. So, can you see uh, the Davidic, the Messianic line, is thereby preserved? You see, Jehoiakim was set free. So, one of the people in the Messianic line, the descendants of David, has been spared. So, so there's, there's basically, you know, the, the, the history of the kings of, uh, of Judah. And, and, and that... As, as opposed to what we saw in, in Israel when there were no less than nine 
family lines. Here, we just have one family, all right? There was the slight discontinuity with Queen Athaliah, but that was all set right, no problem. There was absolutely, there, you know, there was no discontinuity. That the, the next king was the one who should have been. And um, so one family, but there were 19 kings. So after the division of the kingdom, Judah had 19 kings, the same as uh, Israel did. Now, of, um, of Judah's lot, 10 were wholly evil and into idolatry. You remember with Israel, all of them were into all of them were evil, but there was just one, Jehu, who was like a little bit, just, just a little bit all right. Now, down in Judah, 10 were wholly evil and into idolatry. One, Manasseh, you remember, went from being evil to following the Lord. I.e. he was a pagan and then became a believer at the end and was faithful to the Lord. Four started off following the Lord but fell away and became evil and got into idolatry. Two were very good, that's Jehoshaphat and Jotam. And two were absolutely fantastic, Hezekiah and Josiah. And uh, they were um, likened to King David, so absolutely excellent. So, um, and there were four assassinations as opposed to the, you know, there, there were quite a few more up in Israel. So a mess, but a better mess, because at least it was the messianic line. It wasn't at least a breakaway. So there we leave it, all right, we've now got the ten tribes, the north Israel, gone for good, all right? I mean, there'll be no more appearances from them until the Great Tribulation and the Millennium. They, they, they are gone for good. They're off the sea, as far as we're concerned. Whereas Judah, we've seen them, they're now off the scene, 600 BC, and they're kind of gone into captivity uh, through the Babylons. But what we move on to next time, the next three books that we look at, is the story of how 70 years later, Judah was restored back into the land. Whereas Israel was never heard of again, Judah was, it came back and then Judah started being called Israel. So Judah was eventually restored, and we'll be looking at how that happened. And it's important to have this firmly in your mind, all that we've done tonight, for a simple reason, that when we come on after, you know, sort of like, you know, we do the wisdom books, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, blah, 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 then we come on to the prophets. And the only way that we're going to understand the prophets is to realise that most of them, though not all of them, some of them fit in the history that we're going to be starting to look at next time. But most of them fit in the time scale of the kings of either Israel or Judah. That's why we need to understand this time frame. And we're only going to understand what each prophet was about as we understand the history and, you know, which king he was speaking to and, you see, whether he was north, south or whatever. So what you've got to picture it is this, the talk we've done tonight, which kind of consolidates all, you know, the talks we've done on Kings and Chronicles, all right? What you've got to think of it, having that, you know, got the kings of Israel and Judah, think of that as being the backbone, the spine. Now, when we come to do the prophets, the prophets are the ribs of the rib cage, but they all fit at different points down the spine, as a rib cage does. So therefore, it's only by having this history fairly clear in our minds, along with the history of the restoration back into the land, which we'll start to look at next time. It's only as we've got that history that the message of the prophets that we'll then move on to at a later date after all the wisdom stuff, 
It's only then that those books are going to make any sense to us at all <coughs> by seeing where in the history they fit in or which rib are they fitting where into the actual backbone. So there you are, a riveting study. I know that you loved it, every, every word of it. And um, I shall finish now and I shall come and wake you all up and we'll have a nice cup of coffee. So I'll finish it there.